Good morning. It is wonderful to be here with you this morning. <clears throat> Thank Noah for the prayer on my behalf. Uh, this morning we're going to look at bearing fruit, as the title on the board says. Many years ago, I was talking to a man that was going through a bit of a trial in his life and a situation in which people didn't understand what was going on. Uh, some things said about him were untrue. And I wanted to know who said those things because it was my objective to confront them and straighten everything out. And he told me, he said, you know, the fruit of one's lives bears out the intents of their heart. And that saying, that statement has stuck with me for a very long time. Uh, my wife and I, we find ourselves saying that all the time. But something I noticed as I examined that statement over the years one misconception that we have about bearing fruit is that fruit is just spiritual, and therefore there is uh, not a physical manifestation of it. That we can conduct ourselves and make ourselves believe that, that we are fruitful Christians, and it not have any physical manifestation for others to see. That it's just something spiritual. And I believe that Western culture... Uh, Western Christianity has done a lot of this to us. It's made us buy into this that my relationship with God and my relationship with Christ is just that. It's just me and Him. And that because of that, therefore, you don't get to see any of it. And if we thought of that the same way we think about other things in life, that just doesn't hold up. You know, there's a lot of things whenever we examine them from a godly perspective and then a worldly perspective, and those things don't match up. And I know that's kind of confusing, but think of it this way. If my relationship with a friend or a wife that I proclaim is a loving relationship, and it doesn't show itself in any other way than what I feel inside, is that really a relationship that is one that is loving, or is it even what I claim it is? If Jason says, I love my wife, but he beats her, I'm not saying that he does that, but does that mean that he loves her? You know, in our relationship with God's the same way. If we say that we love him or we have a relationship with him and it's just spiritual, but there's nothing in our lives that indicates that, do we really have a relationship with God? And so this morning, I think as we talk about bearing fruit, that's the first misconception I think that we need to deal with. Whenever we look at the, the scriptures and we go to places like Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. He goes on to say, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And he goes in verse 25, says, and if we live in the Spirit... We also walk in the Spirit. So if I'm spiritual, as he's saying here, there are these physical things that are represented in my life. There are characteristics that others can physically see if I have those things, if I'm walking in the Spirit. And whenever we ask the question, well, what is fruit? If you can, this passage sums it up wonderfully. If the conduct, the action, and the character of your life falls in one of these categories, these are all different fruits in our lives. It's not complicated, and I think sometimes we try to overcomplicate it. 
Am I a person that is temperate? Am I a person that has patience? Am I gentle? Am I good? Do I have faith? Am I loving? All of those things. You read Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, and you notice that it says that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. Notice again the, the phrase there. He says, walk, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we notice that Paul says that this is something that is required. This is not optional. <clears throat> being productive in our spiritual life, bearing these characteristics that he talked about in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, that these are not an option, that these are required. That we walk in them. In John chapter 15 and verse 2, we're going to look at quite a few uh, verses in this passage this morning, but Christ says, every branch in In me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Christ says the the branches that don't have fruit, he gets rid of it. Those that are, he he purges it or he cuts it back so that they can produce more fruit. There are a lot of examples throughout the scriptures whenever you go back to the Old Testament. And what God required even of Israel back in the Old Testament and in Judah. In the book of Jeremiah... And there in chapter 17, God there is talking about their sin. And he says that that he places a curse on those that trust in their flesh instead of him. And he equates them to a shrub in the desert. And he says, no good will come of them. They will not get to see good, good times. He goes on to say in verse 7, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted (coughs) by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when the heat cometh. But her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. He goes on to say, who can know the heart? He talks about the heart being there, that it is desperately wicked. And who can know that heart? And then he answers his own question. He says, I know the heart. I try the heart. I test the reins. And at the end of that, in about verse 9, he says, And I give according to the fruit of people's lives. In Psalms chapter 92 and verse 13, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. So not only is it required, but you notice in these passages that it's required all the time. That God demanded fruit in times of trial. He, dem- he demanded fruit and didn't matter whenever what your age was. And there are three principles in bearing fruit. Number one, that that fruit is in Christ. Because it's in Christ, then we need Christ. And then thirdly, obedience in Christ. Whenever we talk about being in Christ, in John chapter 15 and verse 4, he says, There abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. There's a temptation and oftentimes a proclamation whenever we read passages like this or we discuss things such as this that goes something like this. You know, I know people that are not Christians 
who are productive and they do good things and they're involved in good humanitarian works and they're, they're good to their neighbors. We hear things like that all the time. But what Jesus is talking about here is one of an eternal mind. One that has an eternal perspective. One that doesn't care, not I don't want to say doesn't care, but one whose focus isn't about the present, but eternity. In Matthew 7 and verse 21, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. If you go on and read the rest of this passage, he talks about rejecting those, and there will be those that don't get to go into heaven. And they say there, Didn't we prophesy in thy name, and cast out devils in thy name, and do many wonderful works in thy name? He ends it by saying, Depart from me, those of you which work iniquity. I like the ESV translation of that. It says, those that work lawlessness. All of these things, the proclamations they made, and what seems to be a sincere passage about prophesying and casting out devils and doing wonderful works all in the name of God. And at the end of it, God says, get away from me, you that work lawlessness. That's exactly what fruit apart from Christ is. It's lawlessness. It's a fruit that doesn't have an eternal mind. It's a fruit that doesn't have an eternal perspective at all. So the fruit under consideration is not merely a fruit that helps someone out or does a good deed for somebody else and just in this light, but it's a fruit that creates real spiritual growth for you and I. We're not merely talking about someone who is helpful or someone who is productive. He's talking about someone who is right with him. And in him. And who wants to have eternity with him. Say for a moment that in the Navy, those ships, when they go out, they go out for many months. And hypothetically, let's say that there's a naval doctor that tends to the men and the crew on that ship. And let's say the captain of that ship is someone who's kind of mean. He's not a very nice person. He makes them work hard. He says mean and hateful things to them. And as people come and they start visiting the doctor as they have needs to come to the doctor and they complain about this captain, he uses that as an opportunity to maybe get people on his side. And over time, he has more and more people on his side. And at some point, he decides that it would be better if he were the captain. And he convinces all of these people to essentially commit mutiny and take over the ship. Now, you know as well as I do that if the United States government has a ship that's being overrun by a mutinous captain, that they have no choice to engage in battle. And if in that battle, this doctor tended to the needs of those that were injured, and he saved many people's lives. And at the end of that battle, the United States government has its ship back. Do you think as they march that man off that ship, they march that doctor off the ship, they're going to give him a medal of honor for all of the brave things that he did and the lives that he saved? You know good and well that that's not going to be the case. 
you know good and well that that man's going to spend a lot of time in prison. We're not any different whenever we try to go out and say, well, we do all of these wonderful things, but we do them apart from God. And we do them apart from Christ. And we don't do them for the purpose of having real spiritual development and real spiritual growth. We do it for any other reason but being in Christ. And developing our relationship with Him and bearing fruit for Him. Which leads to the next point that if we're going to bear fruit in Christ, then obviously we need Christ and that proclamation that I have to have Christ. I want you to notice in that previous passage in John chapter 15, the number of times that he says, abide in me. As a matter of fact, throughout this entire passage where he's talking about this, he talks about abide in me, abide in my words repetitively. And at the end of all of that, what does he say? For without me, you can do nothing. Now, does that mean that I can't go to work without Jesus Christ? There's a lot of people that do it. That I can't have a family without Jesus Christ? There's a lot of people that do it. So he's not talking about a physical capability. What he's talking about here is you can't honor him or have proper fruit without him. So therefore, we have to have Christ. Which should make us step back and realize that every day that statement needs to be in the forefront of our mind that I need Christ if I'm going to be productive spiritually, if I'm going to have that fruit that satisfies Jesus and that satisfies God, that I need Him each and every day. And the conduct of my life and the choices that I make and what I want to do with my life, I need Jesus Christ. Added to this, what he says in verse 6, he says, If a man abide not me, his cast forth is a branch, and is withered. And men gather them up and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. This isn't a one-time deal. Christ is talking about eternity, and he's talking about the conduct of our lives for the entirety of our lives. And what he expects from us, it's not a one-time shot. That I did this one good thing in the name of Christ one time. Or for maybe just a period in time in our life. It's something that He wants from us all the time. Should we be fiscally responsible with our money just when we're old? Or should we do it when we're young? Or even vice versa. Should we just be fiscally responsible when we're young and then blow all of our money when we're old? No, it's the entirety of our lives. That we have the responsibility to abide in Christ. And each day saying, I need Christ. It's not enough to say that I've abided Him in the past, or I've done what He's wanted in the past, that I've turned to Him in the past. That's not enough. That He wants everything from us, and not in a past tense. If we can only bear spiritual fruit in Christ and we need Christ, then one of the things that he drives home in this passage in John chapter 15 is the need for obedience in Christ. And I want us to observe how Jesus inherently connects our abiding in him or being right with him and being obedient to him. 
He starts out in John chapter 15 and verse 3, he says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Later on in verse 7, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now I want you to notice those two things. If you abide in me and my words in you. If we're in Christ, then he's what he's saying, he's making the connection there, that obviously his words will obviously be in us. He goes on to say in verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I, excuse me, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in His love. Christ walks us through the necessity to understand that abiding in Him is being obedient to Him. That abiding in Him is having His words and applying them in our life and being obedient to Him. Many people who speak religiously of God's love as being unconditional. Now, there was not a a condition that had to be required for Jesus Christ to die for your sins. But when you read passages like that, there obviously is some conditions. And that condition is obedience. Obviously, Christ wants us to be obedient. And he says, if you're not being obedient, guess what? My words obviously don't abide in you. And if my words don't abide in you, the entirety of this passage teaches at the end of it that we will be cut off and cast out. So, understanding that we have those three principles of love and being and abiding in love, or excuse me, abiding in Christ, to have, to have fruit, we have to remain right and with Him as long as we obey Him. When we consider Matthew chapter 21 and verse 18, it says, Now in the morning, as he returneth into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it, and found nothing therein but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on these henceforward forever. And presently the fruit tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all these things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. The text says that Jesus was returning to Jerusalem and that he was hungry and seeing a fig tree, he was going to go get some figs and eat some figs. Upon coming up and getting closer to it, he realized there were no figs. It was just leaves. Now, this is a passage that the, the princi- principles of faith are being taught here, but there's something that you can draw out of this as well. The Jews were like the fig tree. They were nothing but leaves. They had no fruit. If you go back earlier on and you look at what Jesus is talking about here, whenever he went up to the tree, it had leaves. But he didn't see any fruit. It's advertising fruitfulness. It's saying that I'm full of fruit, but it has none to offer. 
You know, down in, when we were living down in Fort Worth, there were multiple places that grew uh, peaches. And one year they had a, a late freeze in April and all the peaches didn't make it. You could go by those fields and you could still see the trees and they still had leaves on them, but they didn't have any fruit. There was nothing for you to go by and pick. Jerusalem was like the trees. They had all the leaves. They had religion that looked like it was good, but they didn't have any fruit. As a matter of fact, if you go back to chapter 21 and verse 8, and it says, And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Not too many days before, these same people had been proclaiming Jesus Christ and his name. And they had this essential, essentially a mini parade for him. But it was, would be in a matter of days that the same people, the same city would be crying out, crucify him, crucify him. The city was all leaves and no fruit. The people claimed to serve God. God's word was read daily in the temple. There were people that had very religious attitudes. But they were all leaves and no fruit. When we consider our lives and we look at our fruit, are we just leaves or fruit? You know, you can look really good from a distance if we're nothing but leaves. When you drove by those peach fields down in Fort Worth, they looked really good from a distance because the leaves made it look like they were being productive. We may be fruitful, but is it all leaves? We may think that we're being fruitful, but is it all leaves? Is it all show? Is it all something that is for naught? I have leaves. I look spiritual. I look good. I look like I have it all together. In addition to all that, an abundance of leaves oftentimes can hide the fact that I'm being unfruitful. From a distance, everything looks like I'm being fruitful and someone can walk by and say, that person's a fruitful person. But remember God's word to Jeremiah chapter 17 and Jeremiah chapter 17, that it is God that examines the heart. When we contrast leaves and fruit, what we understand in our spiritual lives are some things that we have to understand about what God expects and what God sees in examination of our heart. The leaves say, I attend the services of the church. Fruit says, I worship. If we're just leaves, I read the Bible. If we have fruit, I live and I apply what the Bible says to my life. If we're just leaves, I talk about Christianity. If I have fruit, I live the life. If we're just leaves, I give the impression of a good spouse or parent. But if we have fruit... In my home, godly principles are prevalent. I shouldn't say are not prevalent. 
I give the impression of an obedient child. When I'm away from the home, I act like everyone else. I don't. I got my words completely mixed, mixed up. I don't like, like, act like everyone else. You see how easy it is for us to get into a pattern of having this presentation of fruitfulness when the reality is, is we don't have it. <clears throat> the expectation isn't one of just God seeing what's going on in your life. My wife needs to see fruit in my life. My children need to see the fruit of my life. The elders need to see the fruit in my life, and my brothers and sisters in Christ need to see the fruit in my life. But most importantly, those outside of those relationships need to see the fruit in my life. That my co-workers see the fruit of my life. So that it is an honor to God. This morning I hope that as we look and examine our lives that we can say that we have fruit. And that we are always seeking Christ to be in Christ. And that we can do nothing apart from Him. And being obedient to what He wants from each and every one of us. I pray that we can examine our lives and be honest about whether or not we are fruit-producing Christians. Fruit that honors God and honors those around us. And if not, take the time to make those changes in our lives so that we do have proper fruit before God. As always, we come together and we want to talk about being in Christ. You read the passage there at the end of all of it where Christ says, you can do nothing apart from me or do nothing without me. You definitely cannot have salvation without Jesus Christ. There is no part in salvation without His blood that was shed for you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There are many that proclaim that, many that conduct their lives in such a way, but the reality is, is without Jesus, we can do nothing, and especially come before God and have a good relationship with God without Him. We cannot do that. This morning, if you have not taken the time to take part in what Christ has to offer in salvation, we can help you with that. Christ says, if you've been baptized in Him, that you have put on Him, and that we are in Jesus Christ. We have water here available to you to be baptized into Jesus, that we can start our lives, start your life in Him. We may examine our lives and understand that sometimes we need strength and we need prayers, we need help, that we can't always do this on our own. And we can help you with that as well this morning. If you would find yourself in either category, we ask you to come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected. <clears throat>